Yo, 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 what's the deal, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Speak On It podcast with K7 and Buck Baby. What it do, Buck, man? Man, what's the deal, big dog? Been a while, rebel's been going on. Man, it has been a while. I feel like it's been about a month since we since we recorded something, but uh, but man, it's good to be back, bro. Been busy, a lot of a lot of training, vacation, COVID. It, uh, man, it's all everything piling up at one time, man. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff been going on, but uh, but speaking of COVID, man, you just had you just getting over COVID, huh? Yeah, man, I'm just getting over it, man. It wasn't wasn't as bad as I. You know, as I was expecting, you know, I felt bad uh, maybe the first couple of days. I went to the doctor, gave me that old shot, old shot in the buttock. She, I was right back at it, man. <laughs> it was funny, though, uh, during the roundtable talk, I had literally just asked, we was talking about COVID and trying to see who all had it. I think, uh-huh. what, a, a couple of days later, you uh, <laughs> a couple of days, I got you ended up getting positive. Yep. You jinxed yourself. Uh, man, it's, it's all good. Don't you shook back. I'm good. and I'm ready. Yes, sir. But, man. Whew. Well, I just got back from 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 Mexico. It was a good little vacation, boy. Mm-hmm. A lot of drinking, mm-hmm. a lot of two X's. Oh yeah, boy. I know. I know my favorite my favorite Spanish word now is is dos. Give <laughs> <laughs> me two more. Oh yeah, that's all I can tell him, man. Dos dos equis. Dos dos dos. Yeah. Keep it coming, keep it coming. Yes, sir, man. But how you how you been doing besides besides all that COVID stuff? Oh man, I feel, feel good, man. I was ready. I was excited actually to get back to work last week. You know, even though we so short, but made it do what it do. Good to be back. Yeah, we do have a lot of what half hour shift out, about yeah, 10, yeah. 10 or so people out with COVID. I think last week we still had like like four, and then two more tested positive. So it's it's, it's bad right now, man. Yep. So I've, and we already short as is. You exactly. know what everybody is is at work. Exactly. But uh, but man, that's good, good stuff. Uh, but and to start off this episode, so um, this episode is going to be talking about training. But to to start off this show, I just kind of want to touch base on uh, the National Suicide uh, Prevention Month, which uh, Suicide Prevention Week is September fifth through eleventh. Uh, so I know we kind of a little late, but. More so, I just kind of want to touch base on this topic because one hour, well, your cousin, uh, one of my dear friends, we lost to suicide. So, um, so this is why this month, this month means so much to us to kind of talk about it because you, we see it on our job quite often. You know, people commit suicide or, or having the, the uh, suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. So we kind of know how that feels to lose someone about. Uh, do the suicide. So, man, you want to kind of just touch base briefly on on impact uh, Joe's debt had uh, on you and just, you know, the friends and, and how, if it does play any effect to you when you're at work and you're dealing with somebody that's suicidal or yeah. you on a suicide call? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, I mean, even to this day, you know, it was, what, 2014, I think, when he when he committed suicide. And, you know, here we are, 2021, and it, it's still, you know, still affecting me. You know, it's something that you know, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get over. You know, being, you know, how, how young he was and just the type of person that he was. You know, Joe was all around, you know, great person. You know, to anybody that 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 knows him, you know, he'd give you his last, you know, without an issue. And you know, especially you know we, with the calls that we deal with, you know, suicidal calls. You know, you can, you got to take them serious. You know, we 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 deal with so much of them. And you know, some people are like, oh man, you know, it's here's another one. You know, they they BSing, but man, you got you got to take these calls serious because at the end of the day, you never know what somebody's going through. And you know, it could be. You know, we could be the last hope to try to get some help. So we got to take all, all this stuff serious, try to help them out the best that we can. Right. And, and it's, with what you just said, uh, 
made me think about Joe's situation. So let me give him the respect that he deserved. Uh, we are talking about our good friend Joe Amos, uh, who, like I said, committed suicide. So everybody, especially my Lafayette uh, people, Louisiana people, knows Joe. Uh, and I'm sure everybody have their own story that they could talk about uh, on the impact he had on their life while he was here with us on Earth. But nobody knew what Joe was going through. I mean, we knew he was struggling since, since he had that uh, horrific accident that he was trying to shake back from. But I... I don't, the last thing I was expecting was Joe to commit suicide uh, in the fashion that he did yeah. uh, more so. But like you said, man, you never know what people are going through, and you may be that person, last last hope, uh, to show them that somebody's there to listen to them uh, and that they care about them. So with that, talking about suicide and law enforcement is really a big deal, but before we started the show, uh, I I told you that I tried to do research and try to pull up some numbers and some uh, stats on suicide in law enforcement, and I really couldn't find nothing. Uh, you kind of what you why you think that's that's not reported as such? Let's see, let's see, what we think alike. Like I said, it's, it's not reported because you know just not only with law enforcement, but just just in general, you don't have to be a cop. Uh, you know, suicide. It's it's hard for the family to get those to get those benefits in the manner in the manner of debt. So that that's why you know a lot of the time it's not it's not reported. You know, we want the family to get you know as much as they as much as they entitled to. Exactly. That's exactly what that's exactly what I was I was uh, I was going to say. Also, but when you see these debts, especially in law enforcement, they always uh, the nature of the debt was uh, accidental death, and then some way, somehow, it, it has something about they was cleaning their weapons, uh, mm-hmm. and the weapon went off and ended up shooting them some way, somehow. But that's the exact reason, at least that I'm aware of, is because these, you know, the the benefits and the insurance and stuff like that. So just wanted to, to kind of touch base on this. I felt that uh, we needed to, to talk about suicide just a little bit. Of course, we're not suicide experts, but I'm going to give you all the suicide prevention number. Um for anybody who is going through something uh, or y'all could just hold on to this number and, and share it with somebody who y'all may know uh, is going through something. And this number may very well also be that last line of, uh, of hope to give to them. So that number is 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. That's the suicide prevention number uh, for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So, with that being said, um, on to the regular show, but uh, here on the Speak On It podcast, we have a motto, and the motto is, we're not trying to change the entire world, but reach the heart of one person at a time. Um, so coming soon, I do have some merchandise, um, some t-shirts and stuff that I'm working on. I just I just made about 12 of them right now, trying to, trying to do a little T&E on those and see how that comes out. But also, before we get started on this episode, this episode is being sponsored by JSPC iPhone Repairs. Uh, that is my brother, Jarvis Simeon, out of Mamu, Louisiana. He services Acadiana area, Lafayette, Appaloosa's Eunice. He also has a shop in Eunice at uh, Superior Audio. Audio, uh, I think is I forgot the address, but... Is the, the green building on the corner by the racetrack <laughs> with the big billboard sign across from Tobacco Plus. <laughs> um, so make sure y'all check him out. Visit his Facebook page, uh, JSPC Repairs. And if you mention 
uh, what was the what was the code? Uh, he said, "Speak or speak on it." Hell, tell him you heard the advertisement on Speak on It podcast. And you'll, you, you'll get you right. Yeah, man, you get a little discount uh, and get you, get you some accessories. But shout out to my sponsor for this show, JSPC uh, Repairs. So, Buck, man, let's dive into a training. Let's get it. Training, training, training. So, question. Uh, or questions, statements that's that's been uh, being made by the by the public here lately is that police need more training. Police needs more training. So my question to you is: Is training the real issue? Hmm. Is training the real issue? I, I think it's. I think it's part of the issue. You know, depending on. You know, what department you work for, what state you live in, you know, training is, is different, you know, everywhere. You know, back home in Louisiana, we train for what, <laughs> a week? And then we, we know we cops, but in reality, we train for what, 11 weeks? Yeah. And then out here, it's what, 28 weeks or something mm-hmm. like that? So I, th- I think training has a lot, has a lot to do with it. What you think? Yeah, uh, but is, yes, training is part of the issue of the, I'd call it the use of forces that's, that's taking place. Um, the use of force that's taking place that's ending in, in fatal fatal deaths and just use of force incidences where it's not it doesn't end up in a debt. Yes, training is 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 part of the issue, but it's not the the end all be all because no, no. uh like I said in previous episodes, I don't remember which episode I said it in, you could train somebody to do the right thing all you want. Uh, you could you could teach a dog to sit, but it's up to that dog to mm-hmm. to to we'll heed to that down. training. And sit when you when you give them that command to sit, uh, but the public is not making it no easier on on us and for them because everybody just want to buck against the cops and go against the cops, mm-hmm. you know. So, but what you mentioned in training versus Louisiana versus Texas, uh, that was my first bullet point. So let's dive into that. So you went to what academy? I went to the, uh, what, Lafayette? Yeah. I went to Alita. Alita, all right. So we both went to Alita. It's the Acadiana Law Enforcement Training, Training Academy, Academy yeah. that's uh, that's put on by the Lafayette Parish Sheriff's Department. Uh, I think we both, 11 weeks? Yeah, like 11 weeks, all right. something like that. So the the good thing for me and Buck is we both now have, have training in Louisiana and in Texas uh, as law enforcement officers. So... With that being said, both had eleven weeks. Let's let's focus in on the the training that we that we got from uh, the Alita in Louisiana. And let me say this: this not taking a knock on on nobody's training program, um, nor taking no shots at the Alita training program because it was an outstanding program. Uh, I I think it it set me up for success for me to for me to to start my police career, especially as a rookie. Mm-hmm. My only issue is that I just felt that it was a lot of cramming uh, and and that the, the part that sold me short was the lack of reps yep. that we got uh, for for everything. So, um, Buck, I'm going to let you go first and tell me about your experiences and then we'll I'll tell you about my my 11 weeks and then we can compare uh, and see what was what was the same, what was different. Uh, and then we'll jump into the Texas stuff. So with mine, man, I remember the first day, uh, you know, you go in, uh, they do it, you know, a short introduction on, you know, what to expect, uh, you know, pretty much how the academy is going to be. And then it's, you pretty much, you dive right into it. You know, you start off with the uh, 
firearms training. That's that's pretty much the fir- first or second week. I think the second week, and that's that's only a week long. So you qualify on a Friday, and you get two chances to qualify. And if you don't make it, you, you're done. You know, you get kicked out of the academy, which I think it's is is BS because, like myself, I'm not I'm not a really I'm not a gun person at all. So I, I haven't really shot, you know, up until the academy, and I struggled. You know, I, I barely I barely passed, and you know, I think that, that that should be different different motives as far as, you know, doing a Friday. That, that should be something that's done like how we did it out here. You know, every every Friday, or at least once a week, and then you do, you do the qualifications at, towards the end, because it, it I mean it, it takes time. You need you need more than a week to train somebody. You know, in firearms, as far as the book work, it was everything was everything was rushed. Uh, the instructors would get up there and speak on whatever topic we were talking about. You know, quick cram session and then boom, test. And that, that was a that was a rotation every week, every week, every week. And a lot of people, you know, flunked out because, you know, the, the pace that, that they were trying to teach in is just not enough time. And as far as the defensive tactics, that was it, it was it was it was okay. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the best. Nothing compared to how we how we trained out here. Uh you did your you know basic uh basic holds and uh basic, you know, ground maneuvers, but it was it wasn't nothing. It wasn't nothing, you know, to, to brag about. So, but overall, my experience—if I—if I had to rate it, uh, I'd give it about a about a six, seven. You know, it, it was—it did set me up, you know, to, you know, be a good officer back back home. But it's it's a whole lot better out here. So, uh, it's funny you said that y- y'all y'all done firearms within the first couple of weeks. Uh, so what what year did you go in? I went in. 17, 17, I think. So I, I went in 2015. So we done firearms in like week eight or nine. It was more so towards the end. Uh, but it was the same concept where um, where you had a week, a week of firearms and done different things, and then you qualified on a Friday. You failed on that Friday, then you get a week of remedial, then you got a chance to requalify. Then if you fail again, then you get kicked out the academy. Uh, then it's up to your department on how they want to handle you from there. Uh, so going going back to my academy class in 2015, like you said, first uh, first week was introduction stuff, uh, and, but then we jumped right into book work on the, uh, I was about to say penal code. What was, oh, the, what was the things called in, uh, in Louisiana? Uh, oh, Lord, I'm having a brain for it. Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, anyway yeah. the laws. Uh, we jumped right into the, the laws, and man, this this oh the revised statutes, revised statute, yeah. Uh, but this guy, man, who was who was teaching, like remind me of a of an old professor. Like he was just old school. Uh, he would just fly through all of to fly through all the information, and it was up to you to 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 keep up and, and copy the good notes and stuff like that. And it was just bam test. So like you said, it's it, we both had the cramming session. Um. Uh, then it was like a week of traffic stops, uh, which was very vague because different departments uh, do their traffic stops different in, in some sense. Uh, then it was a week of DT, which wasn't that good. You know, it didn't set you up to be able to handle yourself in the, in the ground and in the ground and pound or, you know, to 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 uh, grapple somebody. It was just, you know, the, the basic holds, uh, handcuffs, maneuvers, using your baton and stuff. Uh, what else we done? We worked out every so often. Um, well, we talked about firearms. 
What else we done? That you, got, you, know, you got you got the crime scene that comes out and explain what they do, stuff like that. Yeah, crime uh, scene. Uh, then you get tape, uh, pepper sprayed over there. Uh, so, but overall, the, the moral, the the point of this is that it was just a week of every of of everything, mm-hmm. which wasn't enough because I had like thirty some people in my class. I don't know how many. Yeah, I had. I had a good bit too. I had poof, maybe about. You started with about forty, but then it got they got weaned down. So, like you said, firearms for me, I never really shot guns until I decided I wanted to be a cop. So when it came down to firearm week, I struggled, uh, you know, learning how to how to shoot a handgun the proper way and to to see you know to get my sight picture and and trigger control and stuff. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my boy Ting 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 son. Uh, but. We had like two or three farm instructors for whatever twenty something people, and what they done to me once I started struggling, I was like, man, I don't know what I'm doing wrong and how to fix it. They just found somebody who was shooting a, a decent shooter next to me. I was like, yeah, work with him. And I was like, what? The yeah, hell? I mean, it's like what the what the hell? Or just work with him. Uh, luckily, I say luckily because uh, I, I wasn't confident at that point in my shooting. But luckily, I passed on the first try, and I was able to continue on the academy. Then after that, it's just you pass your test, you 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 you're good. You're good. But that's why I always say that the academy is not the hard part. And people talk about, oh, I don't want to go to the academy and be a cop. Anybody can pass the academy uh, to be a cop. But the real test is once you get out here on the streets and you get in these real life scenario uh, situations that could ultimately cause you your life. Yep. Or put you in prison for the rest of your life. So either way, it still cause you your life. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but so I would rate it since you rated it. I'll probably rate it about about the same. Like I said, we had some great instructors. Uh, it's a, it's a great program. But I think I heard people have various lengths of their training. I know some people went there for like fifteen weeks. You know, fourteen weeks. So it it varies. Yeah. But what what really worked out for me was going to Lafayette when we had IPT, which is the initial phase training. Uh, and then we, they had us for four weeks when we, when I went through it. Uh, and we, we went a lot harder in shooting and different like shooting scenarios, which you like shooting in the car from a car, getting out of a car, you sitting down at a restaurant, you got to hurry up and get up and, and shoot a target. And man, the, the, the funnest was the scariest. I say scariest, but most nerve wracking was, uh, Shooting from underneath, like laying down literally oh, yeah. underneath the Tahoe. I hated that, man. Uh, in the grass that wasn't cut. <laughs> yep. Uh, but more so, what we done, bro, it was pouring down raining, bro. It was raining so hard. And uh, got to do it. Shout out to old Sergeant True. Already was like, hey, you work in the rain. And the rain ain't going to stop when it's time for a gunfight. Yeah. Um, but that's what really, that's what really, I guess, gave me that next level training that, that I was missing. So those four weeks on top of that, 11 weeks was all before I even hit FTO to to start my field training on the road. So, uh, but now let's compare that to the Texas training because, and the reason why I, I'm more so really want to do this episode is because, like I said, people always talking about police need more training, need more training, need more training. We could talk about, uh, my little nephew that finally in the police academy. <laughs> um, Thank God. But his department is a small department, probably with, I would say, what, 
10. Maybe 10. 10, if that. And I'm probably giving them a couple uh, officers. And that's including the chief. Uh, they have, so there's a small department. I'm sure their budget not that big because their city is not that big. Maybe 2,000 people that live there. Uh, two traffic lights and, and 14 stop signs. But, you know, not everybody's fortunate to go to big departments that have big budgets and big training budgets, which brings us to another another issue is everybody talking about defund the police. Well, you start defunding the police and then you start taking away from, from these training budgets and stuff like that. Um, but I, I just want to show y'all the difference in training versus, you know, that we had, uh, had the privilege cause it, it is a privilege. We had the privilege to experience, uh, versus, versus everyone else. And not everybody across the country trains the same, right? Yep. Um, so going into our training in Texas, 28 weeks, uh, a lot of book work. For these, yeah. for these penal codes. But the thing that stood out to me was the application uh, scenarios before, after the book work and before the test. So what I mean by that is you would teach us whatever penal code, uh, which is the laws. So we'll, we'll have a, a class on whatever, whatever chapters. And then from there, you would do scenario day where you have scenarios specifically set up to where you have to, um, you have to, you have to, you know, implicate what you learn in the scenario. There you go. Uh, and that, that kind of drove it home before test time. Yep. Uh, so that's my one big, big take from the Texas training. Should also don't forget about the, uh, the games that we play with each other in the classroom with the, uh, uh, What's the name of the game that we played on on our uh, computers? Uh, where we would team up and uh, select the right answers. Yeah, I, I know. It's, I forgot the name. I want to say almost like Jeopardy, but it wasn't. So, it, yeah, for the for the penal code belt. Yeah, the cardboard belt. Uh-huh. Uh, so we also had good instructors that made learning fun yep. and understood. It was actual cops that was teaching this. Besides a couple of classes, we had the these those are the attorneys uh, who was trying to give us the book answers instead of like real life police stuff, which you would do. Uh, but we had good instructors that made learning fun, you know, watch videos in between and uh, and just kind of, you know, made the class enjoyable. Uh, but shout out to those laptops because, boy. Oh, man, too. Boy, I, was, I, was, I was just about to bring that up. Boy, tell you what. Without the laptops, boy. Uh, and that's another thing. In Lafayette, we didn't have laptops. So imagine, you know, trying to trying to stay awake all day long. You got a dry instructor. Mm-hmm. Pen and paper. Struggle. So tell them, so how did these laptops come into play uh, in the academy in Texas? So they came into play is pretty much everything that was, that the instructors taught or were teaching us, whatever, uh, whatever topic. You know, we had all the information available, you know, readily available on the laptop. So it was easy to follow along, you know, on the computer. Uh, you could take notes from that, put it in, you know, Microsoft Word. And, you know, you could study, you know, based upon that. Uh, the laptops definitely came in handy, man. It did. It did. Uh, so another good good thing from, from the Texas Academy that we went to was, like you said earlier, we done firearms once a week for sure, maybe sometimes twice. Uh, we had the pri- Well, we have the privilege of using indoor and outdoor ranges, uh, which was really good. We had some good shoot houses. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, stand on a line and fire. It was, you know, some movements and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So we, we had a definitely – 
uh, good good firearms course. Shout out to my boy John Harris, uh, old Jonathan for for our our class coordinator and firearm instructors. Uh, what else was a good take workout? Yeah, the workout was good, man. And then you know another thing that you know benefit us, I think you know here in you know, Lafayette, like you said, you know, both our classes back in Lafayette had you know so many people, so we were limited with the amount of repetitions. Whether it was you know farms or any any type of scenario, you know compared to here. It was maybe what thirteen in the class. Yeah. So anything that we did, we got a you know a good bit of repetition, and that that helped us out a lot. You know, especially was, the people that you know had you know no law enforcement experience. And it was a all day deal. Monday, yeah, I say Monday through Friday, but eight to five. You know, pretty much once you was out there on the range, depending on how long he talked for. Oh, that that's two uh, hours, <laughs> two three hours minimum. Depending on how long he talked for, uh, kind of determined how long you know how much how much time on the trigger you you would have got. But we still got a pretty good decent time. He put some competitions in there, put us on the clock, see you know who could, mm-hmm. who could shoot the fastest. But what he what he was doing that we didn't realize was that he was keeping track of it and showing you your progression throughout the week, and you got to see your progression from week one to what week twenty something yeah, when we when we qualified. Uh, so that was good. So. Uh, good workout program. Absolutely, CrossFit. Absolutely, real real life CrossFit stuff. Uh, I forgot my boy name. Shout out to Short Dog, man. Yeah, Short Dog. <laughs> Who is uh? And uh, what's the main dude? Uh, crap. Uh, I can't remember, man. Shame on us. Yeah. Been two years though, man. So, but uh, I can't I remember his I name. I can't remember. Uh, I remember Tyler Officer Tyler. Uh-huh. But, uh, man, I can't think of his name. But anyway, we done legit CrossFit. And I think that's where most academies, uh, fitness programs are, are going right now. It's CrossFit style workouts, which is which is good. I, I'm not a fan of CrossFit stuff, to mm-hmm. uh, be honest with you. But it was good. Uh, it was good to, to have a different style of workout, uh, especially, you know, with me being an athlete. I'm, not, I'm used to just regular working out. I'm going to just call it versus the CrossFit stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shout out off Simrau, man. Simrau, That's our boy, yeah, man. Simrau. Uh, what else we done in there, man? We done. Uh, what kind of what kind of uh, DT stuff we was doing? What's oh, the name man, of we, that? Uh, uh, Gracie? No, it wasn't Gracie. Oh. It wasn't Jujitsu. I don't remember, man. I don't know. Whatever that was, it, it was good. Whatever that, it was, that was, that that became a beatdown, boy. That became a beatdown. Yeah. Uh, but we had a good defensive tactics program, which was we done pretty much DT every time we worked out, which we worked out every day. Morning so, or afternoon. Yeah. to get it. So you was getting two two hours of a PT, which was an hour working out, and then you transition to DT or vice versa. Um, but they also done a good job at that academy having what? It was two classes, at least two classes at a time. Yeah. And they were still able to kind of work everything. You got a lot, a lot of reps in that. Um, anything that you did, man, you got a lot of reps. A lot of reps. So how did that academy, going through an academy again, because we're trying to get people to move out here, uh, and people find out that we have to go through the academy again. It scares them because they already, you know, a, a seasoned cop or been through, you know, been a cop on the road, and nobody wants to go back through training and go through FTO and stuff again. Mm-hmm. But going back through the academy, um, after, you know, going through your second academy, um, tell me your experiences with that. Like, did you benefit from it? Did you learn anything? Um, I, I actually enjoyed it, man. You know, especially coming from, you know, a violent city where we came from and, you know, moving up to this, this part of, uh, this part of Texas, you know, where crime is not nearly, not nearly as much. And, you know, it's kind of refreshing, you know, 
stuff that we did, you know, back home and learn the new tactics that, you know, that they do out here. Because uh, a lot of the stuff, let's, let's say traffic stops, you know, a lot of the, pretty much every agency around here, they, they do they do call-outs. I'm sorry, they, uh, they do walk-ups. You know, compared to back home, we, we called you out. And, you know, we weren't used to that. And, you know, getting a lot of repetitions doing that, you know, that, that helped us out. And as far as the, the scenarios, like I said, you know, we had a few people that didn't have, you know, any type of experience. Uh, you know, with all the experience we had back home, we pretty much became, you know, instructors and in helping helping those guys out. So I, I really enjoyed doing all that. Yeah, I it was it was a almost like a breath of fresh air uh, just on the tactics. Uh, even though, like you like you just said, the tactics were different because in Lafayette, I I walked up to cars uh, a lot of times actually, especially when I was doing the seatbelt uh, little grant. Uh, but I didn't. I wasn't taught how to walk up, you know, to a car. Tactically mm-hmm. or you know safely or whatever like I'll just go up there be bopping and stuff look for my little seatbelt violation and I'll keep it pushing but over here that's all we do and and to to learn the different ways to do it and you know the to learn the blind spots and, and kind of where to stand where not to stand and stuff was a real eye opener for me uh, going through this academy but man. It, the firearms really, I yeah. think that was my best thing. Cause like I said, even still coming from Lafayette after four years, I still wasn't com- confident in my shooting. I was confident enough to know that, you know, if I had to, that I could knock something down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, just next level, next level training program with it, bro. What we, um, Remember we shot had to shoot from the uh, hundred yards 100 in the yard. indoor range and actually hitting the paper, man. Yeah. With a pistol, with a pistol, you know, uh, you in if you would have told me to do that back in Lafayette, I'd be like, man, uh, I'm not man. even going to try this. Hitting this on the is top a joke. of the trees, the burn, yeah, shooting squirrels uh, and stuff, uh, hogs in the, in the in the back. <laughs> but you know, after they worked with us those four weeks, you know, shooting the dots and, and doing all these different drills and stuff, man, the confidence that you had standing at the hundred yard line and and pulling that trigger and then walking up there. And seeing you, you you hit the target however many times out of however many shots, man, that was like that that was refreshing. Yeah. It made you feel like man, I ain't gonna lie. I felt like I was a badass mm-hmm. then, and felt like I could go out any moment now and 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 knock something down from a hundred yards confidently. I could I could squeeze my trigger, um, and do that at any time. And like to piggyback off what you said, man, we had awesome awesome, you know, shooting instructors. You know, our, our guy John Harris, so he's a competition shooter. You know, so just imagine the training that we got from him. Some of the uh, the Richardson SWAT guys, whenever we train rifle with them, you know, those guys are you know were, were awesome as well. So just the, just the quality of you know education that with, with the shooting and you know the repetitions that we got was was next to none. And again, like I said uh, at the beginning of this episode, we are not trying to take a knock on the Louisiana training. I'm just more so want to specifically point out to to my listeners how different trainings are across across the country. And this is just right here from Louisiana to Texas. Yep, next five, door. Five hours away. And training is, is just yet so different. Uh, and for me, it was it was so much better out here, out here in Texas, uh, versus versus Louisiana that I that I went through. Um so man, anything else you wanna you wanna bring up? On training, I think, man, I think that was about it. Oh, another thing that we didn't talk about was the uh, the difference between the two academies as far as the uh, the style. You know, back in Lafayette, it's more boot camp style. 
mm. compared to here is more, you know, it's, it's, it's laid back, which I think in my, like, this is just my opinion. I think that provides a better, a better learning environment. You know, it's, it's not as much stress. You don't have guys, you know, hollering at you or try to, try to uh, burn, you know, for missing a belt loop, you know, for something stupid like that. You know, out here it was, it was, it was, it was nothing like that. And I, that helped us out a lot. Yeah, that's big. That's huge right there. That, that right there was was day and night, man. Yep. The the learning environment because especially especially having come with with uh experience and that was another thing uh is that these guys took our experience um into consideration. Yep. You know, they didn't treat us like no rookies. They didn't treat us as we were green. Uh hell, they didn't even treat the, the new people who didn't have no experience, you know, bad. Uh the 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 learning environment was was so was so enjoyable where you could walk around. Now nah, you can't walk around and do whatever the hell you want like yeah. like you're not in in um in an academy. You know you got to have some type of uh, organization still. But you know the instructors were were cool. They treated you like humans versus just yelling at you for no reason or getting smoked for stupid stuff. Yeah, getting smoked. Well, we got we got smoked for uh or what they call it uh, opportunity for improvement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, twice. And that was because of what we, me and uh, I think somebody forgot a duty belt or something. We forgot a shirt, a shirt, and somebody I think somebody forgot a duty belt. Yeah, somebody forgot something, and that's when you hurt your knee uh, pushing Tahoe's across yeah. that, that driving pad. Um, what else? We mm. had good driving. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Good driving courses out here was was real good. Um, and we did that for like what, like three days, three four days. Yeah. So good driving course. Um. Uh, the fences. The fences was a cool mm-hmm. little deal. How yeah. You, uh, you had uh, so when I say the fences, you had different styles. You had the chain link fence. You had your uh, wooden fence. Your wooden fence. Your brick wall fence, and then your center block style mm-hmm. fence. Uh, and you know, part of your PT was you exercise, run, do whatever, and then you had to jump over all the fences after they taught you how to properly, you know, do it and stuff like that. Um. So, but yeah, man, the the learning environment was was real, was real, real chill, and and it it was enjoyable, and it wasn't stressful at all. That no, academy was not stressful, not at all, man. Uh, of course, you know, taking those tests and making sure you, you pass was kind of stressful. But yeah. uh, besides that, there's no other way to flunk out that academy. You're right. Uh, well, besides you, you fell in tests. Yeah, I mean, just just fell in tests on, of course, unless yeah, you do something stupid. Yeah, because you don't qualify until until the the end of the academy, and you got plenty plenty of times to sh- you know shooting days to to perfect your shot. So yeah, so but uh, man, that's that's all I just kind of want to touch base on on this training, just to show just to spotlight the differences in different areas between Louisiana and Texas that we have the privilege to experience. Uh, so. I just wanted to bring this up because I've been seeing this on Facebook and I just wanted to take this moment to address this, this question, but mm-hmm. so you always, you people always want to know two things. Well, let me see. Uh, two, three, four, maybe four things on, on these. So I'm going to tell you these questions and we, and we could, we could answer these questions. See, if we could, we could help. Uh, we could help people understand why this takes place. So, question number one is, why cops always, I say always, 
Why cops pull out a gun on someone? Or let me rephrase it and say, when should cops pull out a gun on someone? Or why do we pull out our guns? Because and, and I, I state this specific question because you see people get up, especially in Facebook comments and stuff, but you, you see people get up in an uproar when we have our guns pointed at somebody with their hands up and they be like, he doesn't even have a weapon. Or we have our guns pointed at a car during a felony traffic stop. Or we have our guns out doing X, Y, Z. And people are like, well, they don't have the weapon. They are not posing a threat. Why do you have to have your guns out? You want to you shoot at that one first? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> You want to shoot at that one first. <laughs> you see? So like I said, man, let's, so let's bring the felony stop, for example. You know, the reason why we have our guns drawn towards that vehicle is because, for the simple fact, we don't know who's in that vehicle, how many people are inside that vehicle, if they have any weapons in that vehicle. So we're going to have our guns drawn because at any point, you know, we could be given commands, you know, for example, driver, get out the car, get out the car. And, you know, he can step out and start firing, you know, in our directions with, with no hesitation. So, you know, if he's firing and we don't have our weapons drawn, so we we behind the, we behind in the fight already. So that's that's one reason why we have our, our guns drawn, you know, towards the vehicle. Uh, and people say, like you said, you know, why, why point your gun at somebody with their hands up? Because they could have a gun in their waistband where they could easily reach and pull it out and start firing. Uh... I mean, it's, it's, every situation is different, you know, uh, searching a building. You know, we got our guns drawn because we don't know who's in that, who's in that building, how many people in that building, if they have any weapons, in, you know, on their persons in that, in that building. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of factors that, that, that take into play, man, that we got to stay safe. You know how I'm answering this, Buck? Go ahead. Three words. Action beats reaction. reaction. Yep. Action beats reaction. What does that mean, K. Sam? Well, let me explain. <laughs> it's 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 simple though. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on 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 Bing, Google, whatever you want to do. So what what that means is is real simple. And the so me and Buck standing next to each other. Buck got a gun pointed at me, and I got a gun in my holster. By the time my brain registers that Buck is about to pull this trigger, I'm going to be shot before I can even react to what Buck's about to do. Yep. So, you know, we have our guns out because it's easier to act before they have a chance to act, one. And then, like I just said, action beats reaction. So when we go to react, we already behind the eight ball. Yep. Uh, and... You know, some people ask, you know, have you ever had a gun pointed at you before? Me, not not really pointed at me. It's, it's kind of mm, close, but, you know, not directly at me because uh, I, obviously I would have I shot. But, you know, I had a dude in a foot pursuit that was running with the gun in his hand. But that that's the that's the easiest way I can answer that question, Buck, is action beats reaction yeah. is why we do what we do. Uh, and there's been many tests done, uh, you know, all across the country to try to to try to buzz this um, to try to mm, I don't want to call it a myth, but, you know, it, it's been proven many times that action beats reaction, no matter how you try to slice it, how you try to set it up, how you try to stage it, whatever you the, the action always will be reaction. Um, so but. Since you talked about the felony traffic stop, I wanted to bring up this about that happened uh, with the Brevard County Sheriff's Office where these officers got pretty much ambushed on the traffic stop. 
where they on the traffic stop and a guy in the back seat jumped out the uh, the back passenger side, opened the door and pointed a rifle. And I think he shot two of the deputies before he ran away. Uh, let me see. Begin hitting him in the head. Oh yeah. So he he shot the deputies, and then uh, one of the deputies was shot in the leg, and then he ran up to the deputy and started uh, hitting him in the head with the butt of the rifle. Yeah. You know. So with that being said, yeah, that wasn't a, a felony traffic stop, but let's just say for whatever reason, if that was a felony traffic stop, and they got their guns pointed out at them, by the time that dude would have flew up in that back door and made that conscious decision to fire at the officers, he probably wouldn't even got a shot off because yeah. they was already downrange on. Um, so that's why we do that. So I think that was a good that was a good answer, Buck. So for the next question, everybody always wanna know why so many cops on a call? <laughs> no matter what it is, like, you know, why why so many cops here? Why so many cops on the traffic stop just for one person? Why so many cops, you know, coming just to break up this party? Uh you want you want me to take this one first or you yeah, want to go you, again? You go ahead and grab it. All right. Why so many cops for one call, one person, whatever the case is? Why so many cops? Well, I always tell people, because we bored and there's nothing going on. So we all nosy. We want to come yep. and see what the hell's going on over here is my smart, my smart mouth answer that I give to people. Uh, but truthfully, it's all a numbers game, man. And it's, and it's studies showed again that when somebody feels outnumbered, they are more, uh, they are less likely to to try something. What does that mean, K. Sam? So if you're on a traffic stop and I'm dealing with one person and Buck is my backup, well, that person really, really has to have confidence within itself. One, uh, but then two, really, 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 really want to get away or do whatever he want to do or just really have his mind made up and say to hell with it i'm ready to die or i'm ready to go to jail uh and i'm gonna try this but i know if i'm if i'm two versus one i'm more than likely won't try nothing mm -hmm. you know um but then let's say all right well let's bring in the third one still if you outnumbered people are more or less likely to try anything so as police officers, with so many officers, most cases that we have on the road, we try to use our numbers to our advantage. Yep. You know, why not use it to our advantage when we have it? Why should one person be going to a call uh, and dealing with two people by himself? You know, when he, they can easily jump him or her and, and take their firearm and, and do whatever they want or just beat beat up the officer. You, you ain't got to start talking about taking firearms. But... It's all about us outnumbering our situation is is, is what that comes down to. What yep. you what you think, Buck? I, I feel it, you know, hundred percent the same way, man. It's a it's a numbers game, you know. We're gonna show up, we're gonna show our presence, hey, we're not here to play. And if you try anything, you're gonna get your ass whipped. I mean, plain and simple. If you try to, you know, fight a cop or try to take our weapon or anything, you're gonna get dealt with appropriately. And that's that's how we work. But and then breaking it breaking it down a little bit further. Uh, and when you when you get let's traffic stop or just even on a, on a on a dispatch call, 
they have different roles officers play. One officer is the primary officer. One officer is the backup officer. But then if you get multiple, you know, one or two more officers, then that, those officers' responsibility is just watching the scene, make mm-hmm. sure we all stay safe. And that's officers and the people that we're dealing with. Uh, and, and that's why you have so many officers, especially on the traffic stop, man. You got people, you know, I know when we, when we have two or more people on officers on a traffic stop, one is the primary officer who made the stop. The other officer is is his backup, and then from there, the other officers, whoever come in, I watch traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure nobody not not swerving towards us. Make sure nobody not walking up on us from you know behind our squad car. So it's so much that goes into it. Besides, you know, we just trying to bully people with with so many officers. So, oh, that is that man. I think we. I think we touched base on everything, man. What, what you? Yeah, it felt good, man. You know, we talked about a lot of stuff, good training, suicide awareness. This was a good one, man. Yes, sir. So, uh, like I said, man, I apologize for, for all my listeners. I've been busy with training, vacationing, and stuff like that. Uh, so we could try to get back on track, man, start, start trying to drop episodes weekly again. Uh, I still got a lot of good stuff lined up. I just need to put them on schedule and and start making them happen. Uh, next week, man. Next week will be fun. Yes, yes, yes. Can't wait. Next, be a good one. Next week will definitely be a good episode, man. Uh, Drinking a glass of wine while we doing that episode. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I already talked to him and it's confirmed. I'm gonna have uh, our sergeant on the show. Man, coming up on forty years experience. Man, I think man. I think it's more than that. I think it's more like sixty, but he he, he claiming forty. <laughs> he's short changing. Yeah, he's so, short changing. I think that was before retirement oh, system and stuff came into place. Yeah, so I'm seventy two years old, man. So. Uh, but yeah, next week, man, we will have special guest uh, Sergeant Holmes uh, that's going to come in here and just talk about his experiences and just pretty much how he's seen law enforcement evolve from. 1932 when he started. Yeah, up until now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to kill us when he hit this episode. <laughs> it's all love, Sarge. It's all love, man. But, uh, man, next episode will be titled The 40-Year Vet, and I'm excited about this. Yes, one, yes. It'll be a I'm good one. I'm excited about this one. That man is a trip. And that was going to be uncensored. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of cursing. So y'all get ready. Uh, Mama, I'm sorry. It's going to be a lot of cursing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just putting my disclaimer out there. So, man, but closing remarks. Man, hope everybody doing well, man. Everybody have a good weekend. It's beautiful out here in this North Texas. Watch out for that COVID, man. COVID bug going around right now, man. Take care of yourselves. Wash your hands. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for another episode of the Speak On It podcast with K, Sam, and Buck. Make sure you like, follow, and share all social media pages at speak.on.it underscore podcast. That's again, speak.on.it. It, it underscore podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> On all social media platforms, we are out. Thank y'all, ladies and gentlemen. Peace.